Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm joined today, yeah, back again with Matt McGlone from the Alternative View fans in. Matt, you're very welcome back to Talk from the Terrace Firstly, I just want to go straight in. No introductions today. I just want to go straight in, Matt, and just get your opinion on yesterday. Well, I think yesterday was probably a game that was always coming because well, it came last week at Livingston. Um, we're basically playing with a player pool of 12, 13 players twice a week. Um, they're not getting the rest. Um, we are four or five players out at the minute. Uh, we had a threadbare squad as it was. Um, so really, we're being shown up for the fact that we don't have an option to rest some players and change some players, which is the natural course of a football season. Players are playing twice a week, travelling as well. And uh, yesterday, you know, people will say, um, you know, he doesn't have a plan B. Well, like any tradesman, you need the tools. And he doesn't have a plan B because he doesn't have a bench. He can't have a plan B to enact and make something happen if you don't have the players to do it. We had young Moffat on the bench yesterday, you know, um, beat on. You know, I mean, <laughs> there's nothing there. We've got a threadbare squad and we're thrashing the players to death that we've, that we've got. We know we're in a season of transition and uh, this is going to be a tough ride. Uh, I felt it was a real toxic atmosphere at the end of the game yesterday. Um, obviously fans are unhappy you know it seems like if Celtic don't score early then the longer the game goes then the more danger we're in the play was rushed hurried crosses were getting thrown over without any real thought hit the bar three times a Yeti misses from two feet two yards out I mean just one of them goes in and we've got a victory Um, but I think the whole problem here is not Ange uh, because if you take Ange out of the equation, let's say all the people who don't like Ange, we sack Ange tomorrow. What do they think they're going to get in? We waited 12 weeks to get a manager the last time. Um, so Ange is not the problem here. The problem is Ange doesn't have the tools to do the job. 
that's my take on it. And if there's players there who should be playing uh, who are not getting the game, then I'd like to know who they are. Yeah, it was, I suppose frustration was a word yesterday. Uh, after the game, we had we heard the boos. We saw people take the social media and blaming players. Uh, there was I didn't see much criticism towards Andrew. I have to say, and maybe there was. I didn't stay too long on on, on social media after because uh, I was disappointed with the performance. I was disappointed with um, our finishing. We, we we had plenty of chances to win the game. Um, I've, I've seen people going on how good Dundee United well, yeah they 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 done well for the goal. Possibly could have had a penalty, but. Overall, I think Celtic, Celtic had much more possession and were the home team. But as you say, you know, it's you're saying you know the, the blame doesn't lie at Andrew's door. We had a we had a CEO who lasted seventy two days, man. If you take Andrew out of the equation, we have new players. We've no CEO. We've no uh, no one has been replaced since last March in the recruitment department of our players. We failed to have a team in place to, to give it a good go in the Champions League. And we have been very, very uh, disappointing away from home. So if Ange does come out of the equation, we are left with the coaching team we had at the end of last season and the board that we had at the end of last season. So the more things change, Matt, the more things they stay the same at Celtic. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's say um, Ange leaves tomorrow. Hope that doesn't happen. But let's say he did. We have no manager. We have no captain who's fit to play on the park. We have no chief executive. We've got no director of football. We've got two guys in the dugout um, who were there last season and one has been there managers before and managers before him. So, yeah, everything is uh, staying the same. Celtic need real change. And, uh, you know... The fans, uh, the, the figures came out last week there, the, um, the end of year results. And, uh, you know, it was said how great the figures were, you know, despite the pandemic. The figures are great because people like you and I and tens of thousands of other people put money into the club and get hee-haw back. That's why the figures are good. The figures are good because the fans have turned up and the fans have paid their way. Um, we shouldn't be kidding about anything else that's going on here. The fans are the people who keep Celtic going and that's why the figures were reasonably good considering there's a pandemic on because fans paid knowing they weren't going to get any games and they were sitting watching a dodgy stream and they paid full whack 660 quid upwards or 480 quid upwards whatever, wherever your seat is so we're due something back we're due a team on the park last season I mean we could, be, we could have a whole programme about what went wrong last season but there's no point in getting back into that. This is a season of change, a season of opportunity, a season to make things happen. And what's happened? Very little. We've brought players in, but remember we've let 16, 17 players go. And uh, we have to bring in quality. And I, I, if I was Andrew right now and I wanted a new backroom team, I'd be up trapping the door this morning. <laughs> trapping whose door? Because there's no chief executive there. If you can get a hold of Dermot, then you'd be doing pretty well. But he should be asking for his own guy. I'm pretty sure he wants his own guy. And I think this is a time of strength now for him when the chips are down and we've got a real 
challenging our hands that he, he goes and asks for some help here. Now, it may be that Ange Turner, he did stay at the start of the season, he gives everybody a clean slate, which meant that um, Strachan, Gavin Strachan and John Kennedy would be given opportunities to work with Ange, to see if Ange could work with them and to see if um, that would work. Well, if it works, I mean, I don't see any chat going along in the dugout. Ange stands on the edge of the dugout, the other two don't come out. Now, I'm pretty sure that's by instruction. I'm standing here myself. You know, most managers have their assistant or a, a tactician or a coach nearby to rub things off to have a chat about. But Ange seems to be doing the whole thing himself. And um, maybe he doesn't want another guy, and maybe I'm just talking rubbish here. But um, you would think that a manager who comes into another country would want somebody to work with him that he's worked with before or he knows he can work with and has been working with him in the past, whether that past has been Australia, whether that past has been Japan. But, um, you know, we, we are dreadfully short of players and uh, a lot look pretty good until we get a few injuries. You know, we have a, a new centre forward, a new centre forward who was injured in the warm-up there. Uh, I have a go at his name here. Gia <laughs> Kumakis, um, who's a top or second top scorer in the Dutch League last year. We've got four or five players out who are all international players. We have nothing left. There is no plan B because with plan B, you need players to make plan B happen. If you look at that dugout yesterday, there was no plan B. Anyway, seriously, I don't know another forward there if to bring him on was young boy Moffat. He's never played for the first team in a competitive game. Now, if you look at that, that's how threadbare and bad the Celtic squad is. The people upstairs know this. I wonder if Dermot cares anymore. I, I don't think he does. I think Dermot just Celtic's a, a toy for him. He's got plenty of shares in it. There's nobody in that board who will call Dermot out. Nobody. Absolutely nobody. Nobody will say, hey, hang on a minute. You know, we're board members here. We're listening to the fans. Who's going to do that? It's too comfy. Everything's too comfy. Nobody will challenge Dermot Desmond. And that's a major problem that we have right now. People will say, sack the board. I know all about sacking boards. But you can't sack a PLC board. Because if you remove four or five PLC guys, all you're doing is moving the seats around. Because another four or five PLC guys come in with the exact same remit, the exact same nodding donkey attitude, and let the man at the top call the shots. So we have a problem here. He certainly, uh, and he certainly cuts a lonely figure on on the sidelines when there's sixty thousand people behind him. That's that's just my opinion from from yesterday. Um, I feel, Matt, that. Dermot was probably more interested yesterday in the golf than he was in, in in Celtic Football Club. And that is is sad because we threw away last year's title. We threw away history. And we now have a golden opportunity to qualify automatically for the Champions League. And if that's all they're interested in, surely it's worth gambling on putting backing the manager and putting a team on the park and a squad together 
that could win the league. Because let's face it, man, whoever wins this league this year, if it ain't Celtic, they won't be any great shakes. There's no world beaters in that league. And we've been beaten by Livingston, who are not world beaters. We've been beaten away by Hearts, who are not world beaters. We've been beaten by the Newco, who are not world beaters. And that's been that's been shown. Now, as bad and all as our away results are, man, we're six points behind. We've, you know, we, we've, we've got a 10 points out of a possibility, a possible uh, 21, which, you know, a Celtic standards, it's, it's, you know, it's a long, long time since we, since we were seeing results like this um, at the start of a season. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not good. Um, but to solve any problem, I think we have to look at what the problem is. The root core of the problem is we don't have enough good players. Um, for me, um, what else could another manager do with the players that are there? We have already, well, I thought before Livingston last week, I didn't think Livingston could happen, to be honest with you, with this new management team. Well, with this new manager and team, not management team, because there isn't a management team. Um, I didn't think last week could happen, but it did. I mean, they lost. They, they drew one each with Motherwell last week. We drew one each with Dundee United yesterday. It's a far bigger outcry in Scottish football in general, not among Celtic fans, but people saying how poor Celtic are. When they drew one each with Motherwell last week, we drew one each with Dundee United yesterday. So there's plenty of people out there who are very interested in us failing. Absolutely no doubt about that. But the bottom line to all of this is a poor pool of players. There is no options. These players are being played constantly, week in, week out. The Livingston manager mentioned last week there that he was watching Celtic playing away in Seville while his players were sitting with their feet up and they practised all week at a game plan, which wasn't very complicated. Just stop the other team playing. Just put in some pretty physical challenges and just pack your goal area and uh, hope for a breakaway. Um, because Celtic are pretty much going to be sure to give you a goal through poor defending, which is exactly what happened. Welsh was completely daydreaming, completely daydreaming, and let uh, Shinny score the goal. So, again, this week um, we're at Aberdeen on Sunday, and we've got a big game on Thursday night. Again, Aberdeen will be sitting with their feet up watching and playing a, probably a pretty similar game to what Livingston did. Uh, it won't be all out attack from Aberdeen, that's for sure. Um, and Celtic are going to have to go and, and try and do it all again. Um, but with the same players, and here we go back to the same problem, same players, and um, how much can you get out of them? Uh, Ange must be pulling his head out, wondering, you know, he said the other week there he felt he probably walked under a ladder. I mean, he was unlucky um, with the amount of players that are injured. But uh, the bare facts are there, Andrew. If we have players out like McGregor, like Juranovic, uh, who got injured just in Julian uh, and Kyogo, then we have got nothing uh, left in reserve. We are then dipping into the tank of young, young players and guys who are on the bench yesterday who have been here for a long time and are not good enough. That's the bottom line, unfortunately. Yeah, and when, when Ange came in, we had the press conference where... Don McKay, when, when Ian Bankio was saying that he was uh, the best thing since sliced bread, he'd been head hunting. You know, he'd come highly recommended. They'd done, 
they'd done the research, they'd, they'd done the homework, and they brought in a man who lasts 72 days. Don was saying when he came in that he was going to, you know, bring in best practice to the club. Uh, he was going to see what was best practice at the top clubs in the world. Well, that certainly hasn't happened because he, he's moved on. And there are there are rumours as to why he moved on, but we'll probably never never get to find out. Like when Brendan Rodgers done the, the midnight flip, we'll never get to, to know the real facts because obviously there's agreements signed in the boardrooms before this. But what does piss me off is that when Eddie Howe didn't come, it was a five o'clock on a Friday when the news broke, or maybe four o'clock. Then you're into the weekend. Don McKay, everyone knew at the club that he was leaving. And yet again, it's a Friday night, five o'clock, you know, when everyone's switching off for the weekend. And then it comes, you know, and it just, it, it stinks. And I'd love to be here, Matt, talking positive about away results, you know, having a good run in Europe. But again, we're back to the same old, old thing that, you know, we're not preparing. The people running the club are not, they're not running the club properly mm-hmm. and haven't been. No. Like, standards, standards slipped when Brendan Rodgers left the club, in my opinion. Yeah, did you see, but the Celtic setup is not, for me, a healthy one. You have got the one main figure, Dermot Desmond. Now, people in the PLC board have not and will not challenge him. So what do you have then? You have a, a group of people in this PLC board who love being Celtic directors, who love all the, the nice trimmings that go with that. They're not actually challenging and sort of saying, hey, wait a minute, no, that's not right. Get that guy in, get that guy in. Oh, we should have a director of football. And why, why is there accountable? Why is there not a, a chief executive in place? Why did we headhunt the other guy in the last 72, 73 days? Why, why is all this happening? Who is accountable? Excuse me, uh, can I ask you a question, boss? Uh, why did you screw up there? Well, don't ask me a question like that because you won't be on the PLC board anymore if you start questioning me. That's the problem here. We have a serious problem of people not being accountable and they're running a mass organisation funded by supporters and they're not doing their jobs properly. Who on that board will say, hang on a minute, this isn't right. All these people are meant to be on the board for business acumen. They're running a club without a director of football. I don't know what's going on in the scouting department. There is no chief executive. You've got a manager brought in at the last minute after you gave another guy 12 weeks to tell you to go away. Seriously, running business, business acumen. What can a business run successfully that's not funded by fans? It should still be in business. These people are only in business because of you and I and tens of thousands of other people. That's the bottom line here. It's that simple. It's really straightforward. I'm sick to death here. And Matt, were you surprised, you mentioned no director of football, were you surprised when uh, an employee of Dundee, Gordon Strachan, was brought in as a consultant on a three-month contract? But yet nobody was told, because there's no communication with the board, but nobody was told what his role was going to be. Well, have we really been told what his role was going to be? I think there was a big press release put out that he was going to be dealing with was it younger players and women's football and looking at uh, how things could be improved in certain departments. 
in three months. For three months. It, it just tells you they don't seem to have any there, but Gordon Strachan's a go-to guy because he gets on well with some of the PLC people and he's an easy guy to bring in. Because if you're never out of the boardroom, then why don't I just give my job then? Three months. That's the way they're looking at it. That's not right. Celtic are not being run structurally properly. It's dead easy to see. And uh, you and me and everybody else, we are frustrated buying our heads only because we love this club, because we believe in where we can go and we've got overwhelming faith. We're in it from the beginning for the long haul. Me, you, families, brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers, daughters, the whole lot. But Yeah, we, we went to bed last night, Celtic fans. We wake up Celtic fans, no matter yeah, what the result is. Yeah. But there, there is matters... You know, there is an undercurrent which we're, which we're now seeing um, of people starting to point fingers at players, which I think is wrong because, as you say, they may not be good enough, they may not be experienced enough. Uh, we can't point the finger at Ange just yet because we don't know who's bringing in the players. We don't know who's signed these players. We don't know, you know, what players was Ange involved in. Well, sure he was involved in the in the Kyogo signing because a Japanese player that he knew well was sure he's involved in that. But we don't know, you know. There's always been a kind of a, a kind of a thing in the background. You know, players are signed; they only get a chance with the manager when, when the the squad is is very thin, and you don't know. Well, did they bring them in? Did did the board bring them in? Did Gordon Strachan bring them in now because he's he's in this role? And it's very confusing when when you sit on the sidelines and just go like, like in every business and every organisation does a structure you know there's a HR department and they recruit the people the boss says to them go out and recruit I need an accountant I need a driver I need X, Y and Z and that's what they do but nobody seems to know who is involved in the signing of these players um, and I have to say some of the signings have been good and uh, we, we have been unlucky with injury but we haven't seen maybe enough of other players to, to, to make judgment on them. Where do you sit, Matt, on, on the, the, the players that we brought in? I'm glad some of the players are gone that that were at the club last year because they didn't want to be there. They didn't put in a shift last year. So I'm glad they're gone and I'm glad that there's a clean slate with with new players coming in. Now, whether they're good enough or not is, is another question. But what I've seen, I've seen some good players out there, Matt. I've been impressed by some of the new players and uh, I just want to get your thoughts on it. Well, obviously, Kyogo is, is, a, is a very good player. He is a, he's pretty much a forward-running player who works tirelessly. He runs the channels, he runs out wide, he runs everywhere to get the ball. You know that the game is alive when he's playing. Uh, if we two or three of him, we'd be really doing pretty well. You'd like to think that Ange would maybe look at the uh, the market in January in Japan. I think the, I think football's closed down then, and I think um, he obviously knows players better there than he would know players here because he's he's been working in Japan. It's like asking a manager here who the best players in Japan are uh, when he's been working here. Well, Ange's been working there and he's trying to figure out who the best players here are. Um, obviously, you're a manager. He looks a good player. Um, he's been unlucky, played out of position, first game at Ibrox. 
Um, he's been played in a position a couple of times to give, you know, to fill in other players. Um, uh, Gea Kumakis, I've got that right. Um, we don't know much about him. Uh, we don't know if, you know, what he can do. We can only go on his past record. Liam Scales, so half an hour of him on Thursday night there. Looks quite an assured player. Um, look very shaky at the back, look very nervous. Uh, I don't like getting on players' backs who've just come into the club. I know that Starfield has had good games. You know, I thought he played well in uh, Alkman, I thought he played well at Ibrox. Um, they were big pressure games. Um, but maybe Liam Scales giving a run at centre back. Um, Shaw, Burago Hyde, I haven't seen much of them. Um, you know, the question is who signs these guys? Well, who knows? I suppose the important thing is whether they can play football or not, and whether they're good enough for the first team. And that we don't know. Um, Joe Hart, he's come in. Joe Hart's a, a player of experience. I think he, he does very well. There was an incident yesterday in the game where um, Ralston going down the right wing, he'd been for a 50-50, very solid tackle, and he, he came out at the worst. Um, just because, you know, it happens in 50-50 tackles. And uh, he must have been down for about 40 seconds, really, rather than about Nagney, right in front of where I was sitting. And um, the referee, as he had done earlier with um, Montgomery, had ignored him when he was down. Uh, Joe Hart ran out. He ran right over past the halfway line to see if he was OK. And as club captain, hard to work with the referee as to probably as to why he took so long to stop the game for Rouse to get treatment. So I like to see that in a player. I like uh, a guy like Joe Hart taking responsibility. And you can see that uh, Celtic have... Every ball boy at the minute with a ball, and as soon as the ball goes out, they quickly roll another ball back and don't wait for the ball coming back that Davis learned out. Joe Hart has got a ball at his feet. Wherever the ball lands behind the goal, he's got a ball at his feet within about three or four seconds from ball boys nearby to keep the game going quickly. And I like him. He's obviously a good player. You know, the rest, well, where, where are they? <laughs> Yeah, I've been, like, I know Hart had a, a clangor in, in Holland, but I think I think you bang on the money when you talk about how quick he's getting the ball back into the game, how quick he is to react to referee. Um, he's he's vocal. He He's talking to centre-halves through the game. Now, it is hard to be a centre-half in that um, attacking format, map because, um, like, the full the full backs are the full backs are up the pitch, and if, if if they break, if anyone breaks against us, you know we are liable, and we've seen it. We're liable to be caught in the break, and we have been because of the system we play. So it's exciting to watch going forward. Nerve wracking at times in the back. Um, we know from last season how nerve wracking it was when when we come up against set pieces, but I think Hart is 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 been a massive improvement. Uh, and, and the type of player that will bring on younger players and he, I, I can't see anyone challenging them. You know, last season we had we had three keepers rotating. It's not gonna happen this year unless he gets injured. He he's he he's the he's the man for the season. Um and I've been I've been so impressed with his attitude as well and listened to his interviews and that and he just 
know, he's a guy, you, you, can, you know, Fraser Foster is happy to sit on the bench in England and pick up his cheque. Joe Hart wasn't. Joe Hart wants to play football. You know, he's plenty of money in the bank and he came up and, and that's that's impressed me that we have a player that wants to play for us because we, we witnessed a couple of players last season that didn't want to play for us. And, and that's very encouraging. And now, Matt, we've... Like the, there are positives this season. We're back watching football. We're back in Celtic Park. You know, fans are back and everyone's return to paradise has been great. Just that whole... The whole match day experience, going for a point, we travel, you know, bumping into people in airports, you know, bumping into lads on supporters' buses. So, you know, on a positive level, yeah, that's great. Um, it's disappointing, you know, the results, but it's going to be tough on Thursday again, Matt, because we come up against a Bundesliga team, Leverkusen, second in the league. I think they've lost one game. I think they were beaten 4-3 by Dortmund. They've drawn a game. And they've won four, I think, of those six. The second in the second in the league behind Bayern Munich. So it's going to be a tough, tough ask with this Bertin squad we have. Yeah, this is um, this was a tough enough game, Andrew. Get into it with a, a full complement of players, you know, with Juranovic fit, with McGregor fit, Julian and Kyogo. That was a tough enough ask with these players. Um, we're looking at a squad just now who are, as I've said previously here, kind of more or less running on empty. They're playing twice a week. They're not getting a chance to recover properly because there's there's no option to, to put in in place of them. So this is going to be a real difficult game, second in the Bundesliga. Um, I just think that this season... You know, we're going to have to be prepared for some disappointments. Um, I think that's the only realistic way of putting this. Um, don't want to say that, but um, we have to look at what we've got and what we're up against. We could have done without European football this season, to be honest with you. Um, you know, it would have probably have done us better off in the league. And the league is the bread and butter, and it's, it's what we want. Um, but we're in a group stage now, and. Um, we have to deal with it. Uh, it's back to the old thing. We've got very poor, uh, very poor pool of players and uh, we're going to have to make the best of it. But I think we're going to have to strap ourselves in this season for a bit of a rough a rough journey. Uh, and I would only like to think that supporters' frustrations, there are obviously justified supporters' frustrations. I just like to think that most of the fans would focus their frustrations on the right people which is the board um, I think the manager is just holding things together no more at the minute and um, we'd be in a bit of a chaotic situation if, if he walked out tomorrow and uh, I think he's one of these guys if you push him too far he might just say no because he's got straightforward ideas he's got straightforward plans he's got a way of thinking um, but he needs, he needs the tools, tools for the job you know, if you can't you get the best joiner in the world around to your house to do a job for you but it hasn't got a sorted cut wood, then he ain't going to be able to do anything. It's the same way Ange. Ask him to do a job, but you have to give him the tools, i.e. the players, to get that job done. And we know right now the pool are dreadfully short. That's the main problem for me. And the main problem that that's happened is because the board are not challenging each other. They're not challenging the guy at the top to get things right. They're just sitting there 
waiting for one person to make a call. And that's not the right way to run a football club. Well, Matt, the board are not going to challenge the major shareholder. He's not the only, he's the major shareholder in Dermatism. Well, why, 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 why are they there? What are they doing there? What is their job? But, they, they, you know, they're not going to because you, you hit the nail on the head earlier. They're comfortable. They're happy. They've got all the perks. A lot, a lot of them have been there a long, long time, which isn't healthy either. But now you, you were involved in, you know, in tackling the old board in the original Cells for Change movement. Um, from your experience, if the board are not going to challenge the major shareholder in bringing in change and bringing in the structure that, that the fans deserve, because as you say, we, we, we punted the money again. We punted it last season, but yet we're not getting we're not getting we're getting shortchanged. I think I think that's how. And we're looking for direction. And, and the Celtic Trust, I get get pelters when they come out and they ask these questions. People give them pelters, but as shareholders, as small shareholders, we need we need to be representative because the associations, ma. And I don't mean any disrespect to the supporters' associations, but they are powerless. Well, I, I think at the minute, um, with the current Celtic setup and with a board who are never going to challenge the main shareholder, um, we have a pretty hopeless situation, unfortunately. Um, um, if I could think of a way around this, I have got experience of thinking about these things and putting these things into action and seeing them through and sticking it out. And um, I'm looking at this situation just now and I'm seeing the fans' hands much tied because of the amount of shares that are not in actual supporters' hands. That's the main problem here. And you can't actually sack a PLC board because they just vote on somebody else. And the reason is because they have the power and the mandate to do that. That's the problem here have to look at what the problem is. We can shout sack the board forever, but you have to have a way of making that happen, and that can't happen when all these people hold all these shares. It's as simple as that. It's as straightforward as that. And uh, that's a pretty down situation, but I'd rather be realistic than not be realistic. Yeah, does unless... Uh we can get, I think it's 5%, but then we get talking, we, we, we can get talking rights at AGMs and that. So unless we get 5% as a, as a unit, as Salic supporters, um, I think that's the first, the first step, Matt. But yeah, it's 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 just the frustration of not having, like the silence, you know, and not having anyone to, to answer to us as fans. You know, as season ticket holders have said it before, we're customers... You know, as shareholders, we have a chance, but as you say, they just have so many shares. You know, no, that, that, that's the problem. Um, the supporters were given the chance to buy shares, and they did so in great numbers. I think probably seventeen and a half thousand. I think back in ninety four, ninety five. Um, but there's so many powerful people out there with so much money, and uh, there's only so much that working class person can buy and shares and Celtic fans did rally and answer the call because they were never allowed to have shares prior to in 94 um, but because of the amount of shares that are out there it's 
pretty impossible, you know, um, for people to have the money to buy all of the shares. So that's when the business guys come in. And uh, you've got, um, I think it's uh, Linzel Investments. Linzel Train, yeah. Nick, Nick Train, who runs them. I think he's New York-based. And um, he's got about, his company is an equity company. They've got about 18% of Celtic. So how could Celtic fans sack Nick Train? They don't even know what it is. They don't even know what it looks like. You know, and uh, to sack Nick Train, you have to have somebody to buy all Nick Train shares, and Nick Train would have to um, agree to sell all his shares. But he's just one example of a huge part of the club. Just under a fifth of Celtic is owned by an equity company. And then you have Dermot up about late 20s shareholding. And uh, then you have other shareholders um, who just like having shares in Celtic but don't like putting their head above the parapet. Um, then you have the board. And then, of course, you've got all the fans. And uh, the vast majority of shares are not in the supporters' hands. That's the problem. And uh, there's no point in thinking that's not the problem because it's staring us right in the face. Uh, my, my main bone of concern here is that we have a board of directors who are just paying lip service to the major shareholder. And um, that I find a major stumbling block in effecting any change here. Um, these people will sit there and they won't say challenge. And I find that really frustrating. And I always go back to the point it's the fans that finance Celtic and when I when I see these guys sitting there and we're working class people financing the club but they'll sit there and not challenge to make Celtic a better club. I find that really, really frustrating. I mean, I'm actually not showing how angry I am just now because I'm keeping it in. But I find that really, really frustrating. Yeah, Matt, and hopefully... Um, we'll not be frustrated when we're coming down the road from Aberdeen on, on Sunday because that's our next domestic game, uh, league game against Aberdeen. It's, and it's funny, I didn't think it when I when I seen the fixture list that it would be a mid-table clash when, when we when we went to Pataudry because they're they're another team that's that's struggling. Um, they've struggled for form, but it's always a great. It's it's always a great away day for the fans, um, and as that was as 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 fans, you know, all we all we can do at the moment is go back the team. We may not we we, we may not be happy with the ball, but we still have to back the team and, and back the manager, because you hit the nail on the head earlier, man. And I, I just want to finish up on this now. Um, when you said, you know, if Ange goes, you know, who comes in? We're back to square one, and like. He needs the tools and he needs he needs a bit more time. And I think the players need time as well. You know, if, as you said, you're frustrated, direct your frustration towards the boardroom and not the dressing room at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, hopefully, Ange, you know, with this current situation that we've discussed at length today, and I think in pretty decent detail as well, hopefully Ange... Is the kind of guy who'll stand up and say, no, I'm not accepting that. I don't want you to sign that player. 
I want to sign that player. You know, people will say, well, how could Ange know about McCarthy and Scales and um, Juranovic, maybe uh, Sean, Juragahide, players like that. Well, you know, he, he probably didn't. Um, I don't know who would be responsible for signing these players. Um, I look at James McCarthy and yesterday I saw a player playing an absolutely luxury passing back, passing to the side game. Uh, honestly, at my age or your age, we could probably do no running forward, no forward balls, no momentum going forward, no searching out a player. Just taking the ball and leaning back and doing the big luxury pass, sideways, backways, the easy pass. And I find, I don't think that's Angie's type of guy. He took him off at half time. I know there was a heavy tackle on him 15, 20 minutes prior to that. But uh, he came out at, at half time fully kitted up with a tracksuit top on and sat in the, the crowd still with his strip on. So if there was an injury there, and I'm not saying there wasn't, but it seems strange to pop a player back into the where they, they're seated now due to the restrictions, fully kitted out. Um, so I, I just like to think that Anish would be the kind of guy who will say, no, no, I'm not having that. No, I don't need another guy in like that. I want this guy in and I want to sign this guy. And this is the guy I want. That's all we can really hope for. Because if he doesn't do that, and we get a bunch of bench fillers and and just people in there who are not actually making an impression on the team. I mean, what we're looking for is footballers to make an impression on the first team, for footballers to come in and do a job in the first team. We have a whack of players, a whole raft of players, who are not actually doing that because they're not good enough. So when we have the frustrations at board level, we've discussed them, the only hope now as fans is that Ange is a strong guy and says, this is what I want. No, you're not putting that player on me. I want this guy. That's where his strength needs to come in. Matt, thanks very much for your honest opinion. It's uh, always a pleasure to chat, but it, I can see the frustration in your voice. I can hear I can hear that frustration, Matt. I, I'm feeling it myself. Um, but I'm not throwing the towel in just yet. I'm disappointed with the board. I'm disappointed with what's going on behind the scenes of Celtic. But I'm prepared, like so many fans, to, to give the give the manager a chance, and I hope the board do too. Well, that's the thing, Andrew. You said you're not throwing the towel in. Well, we don't throw the towel in ever. We never throw the towel in because we're here all the time. And they know we're here all the time. And maybe that massive, I would like to consider a strength by supporting the club, would be treated more respectfully rather than somebody just taking us for granted that we'll always be there and, and pay the way. The thing is, we will be. That's the bottom line. We don't walk away and um, we don't throw towels in. So we just have to stick with the manager, get, keep giving the support and uh, try and keep a, a cool head. And when the anger and frustration comes out from fans, which it will, um, we have to make sure that it's focused in the right place and that it doesn't put off the a person that we want to have at the club. I think we have to give the guy a chance. 100% Matt. Matt, best of luck with the fans, Ian. Uh, I'm looking forward to the next issue. I'm on, I'm on the 
I'm a subscriber, so I get I get my copy in the in the post, folks. That's the alternative view. Uh, you can pick up a copy in all good news agents and some not so good news agents in Glasgow and the the greater Glasgow area, um, folks. If you if you enjoyed the uh, conversation with myself and Matt, and you want to hear more, you can go into the YouTube channel Celtic Fanzine TV. It's also on audio on the Celtic Soul podcast. And if you would hit that subscribe button, that would be great too. So, folks, thanks very much and enjoy your week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 